Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Mike Sports Roundup here on WSJU Radio, live on iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Michael Zabo, as we get set for this April 11th edition. Beautiful day outside, back here on our Marillac Hall studios here on the campus of St. John's University. Once again, Mike Sports Roundup here on WSJU Radio. we got a lot to get into today, particularly in Major League Baseball we'll talk about. Uh, we'll get into some division predictions later on. A little bit of uh, St. John's basketball. Uh, for, you know, the season ended a couple of weeks ago, um, but we'll get a little bit back into that as we've had some announcements. Julian Champagny going uh, professional. We'll talk a little bit uh, about the Red Storm as the transfer season is starting to get a little bit underway uh, around the world of college basketball. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. Uh, before we start, uh, make sure to follow my Twitter page at underscore mSportsRoundup uh, and my Instagram page at Michael underscore Zabo to follow all the updates regarding the show. Uh, as always, we are live here on WSJU Radio on iHeartRadio f- every Monday from 1 to 2 p.m. this semester. Um, and we're, you can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out uh, the show there as well each and every week uh, after we after we wrap up live here. The episodes are posted to those platforms, so can't make it live. You can also check out the podcast there as well. Uh, as a programming note, uh, next week uh, we'll be off due to uh, the Easter break here in St. John, so we'll all be closed. Uh, so we'll, after today, we'll be back in two weeks' time. But let's get underway here, uh, we're going to start on a little bit of a sad note uh, coming out of the NFL. Over the weekend on Saturday morning, we found out uh, that NFL quarterback Dwayne Haskins died in a car crash in Florida, uh, just 24 years old. I mean, really sad stuff. Um, uh, got hit on a Florida highway, I believe. Um, I believe it was Miami, uh, might have been in Florida. Um, got into a car crash and died, unfortunately. Um, really sad stuff. Um, Twenty, Just 24 years old, gone way too soon. Again, just gives you a perspective on life that, you, you know, we always feel that we need a reminder of that. You know, just could be gone in just an instant. Doesn't matter what age you are. Um, doesn't matter what your health is. You know, you know, life can just be gone in a second right there. Uh, such a shame, 24 years old, uh, and he's he's just gone right there. Um, was a great talent co- uh, quarterback out of Ohio State, uh, first-round pick um, out of Ohio State a couple years ago um, to the now Washington Commanders, then the Washington football team. Uh, wound up with uh, Pittsburgh um, these last two years, uh, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, had a good shot to compete for the starting job this year, um, but unfortunately um, now died after a car crash. Once again, just 24 years old, um, really sad stuff, still had his whole life ahead of him, and sad to see that story. I mean, a lot of a, a lot of the coverage surrounding this story, it's bad. It, it was really bad. I, I know, um, the, you know, yeah, he. it doesn't matter that he struggled at the NFL level. I mean, at this point, he, he, you know, he's gone. It, any, anything in his career doesn't really matter, or it's not really, you know, appropriate to really say, you know, 
what his you know what what's been going on in his career while you're still announcing the news that he has passed away from such a sudden and traumatic incident as a car crash is um, really not appropriate to mention um, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, anywhere, whether it was tweeting it out, whether people, so some of the coverage was really strange, talking about, okay, yeah, he, he's gone, but he, you know, he struggled, you know, just to give context on who he was, that, oh, well, he struggled at the NFL level. Um, not really appropriate to say that. He, he was a great talent coming out of Ohio State, but he was a, a good, talented football player. Sure, it was bouncing around the NFL, but that doesn't matter. It's the, at the end of the day, this is still a human being, 24 years old, and, and just in a blink of a flash, he's gone. Um, very sad stuff. Condolences go out to his family. Um, and, you know, just once again, such a shame there. Um, hurt, it's just a shame. Really sad news coming out of the NFL. Um, wish the best for his family as they grieve such a terrible loss. Um, so I want to just make that note there and just acknowledge that, you know, horrible story that we heard um, over the weekend on Saturday. Uh, Dwayne Haskins gone once again in that car crash in Florida. Um, but moving on uh, now a little bit uh, over to Major League Baseball. Uh, opening weekend. I'll go on a little bit more of a positive note. Opening weekend, the MLB season is here now officially wrapped up with spring training last week got kicked off uh opening day kicked off on thursday um yankees due to a rain delay got kicked uh kicked off their season on friday mets started on thursday night uh we'll talk about the yankees and mets uh, in terms of the play on the field a little bit more uh, yankees took two out of three against boston this week and at home uh, mets took three out of four against the nationals on the road um the Mets will continue to be on the road this week, have three games against the Phillies. Uh, the Yankees continue to stay at home. We'll have a four-game set against the Blue Jays this week. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that, more of the on-the-field stuff a little bit later. But, I mean, it's just, if you're a baseball fan, it's just great to have it back. They're going to complete all 162 games despite the lockout. And I think for as... For as ugly that the lockout was, for as long as it dragged out the animosity amongst both sides, and then that eventually led to such animosity from the fans, and just the simple desire to want to get baseball back, get out of the lockout, have a have a season. I mean, for times, I mean, there were reporters saying we aren't going to have a season until at least June. It, it was it, early on; it looked that bad. Both sides really dug in. You're glad that it got settled out. You know, many of the players made some small gains in terms of the CBA and what they're looking for. Certainly, I think long-term, more gains need to be made on increasing the luxury tax and whatnot because that's just how the game is moving. Revenue is moving higher. Player wages, uh, salaries is moving higher. Whether you agree with it or not, just that's just how the market's moving. The luxury tax has to respond and go to 230 240 um, but the players did gain some marginal success um, in other areas as well. Maybe they were trying to get it all back. That's what held up the delay. They've gotten marginal success. See what happens in that labor fight and future CBAs down the road. But as a baseball fan, you're glad that they resolved it. And I think you'll not forget about the lockout, but it really 
I don't know, you start to forget, you'll never truly forget about it, but it won't be as present in your mind because this won't be a shortened season, you know, it won't be like a 140, 145 game season that was shortened due to this lockout. They're still going to play 162 games, so while baseball really lost a lot of notoriety around the sports headlines and moves that could have been made, you know, during a normally active winter did not happen because of the lockout. Sure, they lost that sort of coverage in the news. I don't think long term this season, I don't think we're face, you're facing a situation where, oh my God, they're losing fans. You know, the, the popularity is, is starting to trend downward more and more and this isn't helping it. I think those sort of issues are sort of put off for now because they're still going to get all those 162 games off. So I don't think it's, that sort of stuff is as much of a worry anymore. Um, so just had to note that there. But um, before I go into the Yankees and, and Mets, we'll start with the Yankees first and the off-the-field stuff that really put a damper on opening day. And that was the news that Aaron Judge and the Yankees not, did not come to a long-term contract extension, an agreement on a long-term contract extension for Judge by the opening day deadline. So Judge will enter this final year of his arbitration. Um, you know, without a, a long-term contract, will go. Th uh, they already said, both sides already said that they will not negotiate through the season. So the next time this could potentially get sorted out or not will be, uh, will be the winter. Um, next fall, at the end of the season. Um, so this could potentially be Judge's final year in pinstripes, which if somebody told you that a couple of years ago would kind of feel hard to imagine. But it is a pretty real possibility. So let's get into that. So he's not, Judge is not going to be having a long, he, he does currently does not have a long-term contract past this year. Right now, playing out his final year of arbitration, which, by the way, the Yankees and Judge have not even settled on arbitration yet for this year. You'd hope that would get wiped out or that sort of negotiations would kind of be contained within the, the long-term contract negotiations. Obviously, that broke down and still arbitration is up for discussion. They still will have to go to an in-season arbitration hearing. So the fight between the two sides... In, in these monetary negotiations could get even worse. So that's not really good news there at all. But in terms of the contract negotiations themselves, Brian Cashman uh, said in a, in a press conference right before uh, the opening day first pitch at 11.15 on Friday started the press conference, uh, talking about how the final contract offer to judge really was seven years at... 30.7 million a year, which the more I've thought about it this weekend, I think the Yankees could have gone just a bit more, but I don't think that the, that the offer was extremely light or unfair at all. I think it was a fair offer by the front office. You know, people can say whether the Yankees, have, you know, they're playing it cheap lately and all that sort of sort of stuff. They still spend, but maybe not on the biggest or best options. You make that, we could go on that sort of conversation all day. They're cheap, but they're not at the same time in recent years. Um, 
they weren't cheap in terms of this context of the situation. They were willing to make Judge the highest paid uh, position player in, fran in Yankee franchise history, which is all relative, depending on, you know, based on how they've paid guys historically. But, um, you know, it's not that it was an unfair offer to Judge. That was a very fair offer, seven years at $30 million a year. Very fair offer, but I think Judge feels like he's really betting on himself. Aaron Judge is really betting on himself in the 2022 season that he'll really have a monster year and that he'll also do it being very healthy like he was last year. So I think the Yankees made a, to sum it up, I think the Yankees really made a fair offer, but I think they could have gone a little smidge higher. I don't know how you would classify that in terms of, oh, well, it was a light offer from the Yankees or it was an unfair offer. I think it's a little bit in between both. I think it was a fair offer. It's not like they were, you know, undercutting him by an extreme amount. Um, but I think they could have gone a little higher. I think somewhere like eight two fifty will wind up getting. It could potentially get it done, depending on the kind of season that Aaron Judge has. Um, eight two fifty is about thirty one million a year. Maybe it's going to be. You know, eight to seventy-five, which is closer to thirty-four, thirty-five million a year. I think that could get the deal done. Uh, the news. Uh, I think there's been leaks uh, over the weekend on Saturday that Aaron Judge was looking for nine years, which I think is quite a stretch. I think when following Yankees Twitter this weekend, I think people really misunderstand that Aaron Judge is thirty-one years old. You know, we can't really compare this to the Mookie Betts situation. Mookie Betts. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, entering the final year of arbitration with the Red Sox, he was 25 years old. Then, of course, those negotiations broke down and gets traded to the Dodgers, automatically gets a massive 13-year contract. He was 25, he's 25, he's now 27 years old. He's in the, in the midst of his prime. Judge is 31 years old. And, you know, looking for nine years, wanting to be paid right up until he's 40 years old. Listen, you know, people can criticize, you know, the Yankees, oh, should spend more, you know, doesn't matter, just blank check them, you know, spend whatever you need to do on certain deals, you know, to continue to win and all that sort of stuff. But is it really prudent by, by the time you're getting to that 7th, 8th, ninth, maybe even 6th year of that deal that you're, you're paying someone like that $35 million a year? Um, you're lucky if you probably get half that contract of extremely, you know, MVP level years from Judge. I mean, that's just, maybe he winds up bucking the age trend, but, you know, just the trend in sports, you know, by that time, as a baseball player, he's going to start falling off where, not saying the point that he'll be really bad, but he certainly won't be worth close to $35 million a year. So obviously there's, you know, what would the Yankees squad look by then and in terms of the payroll, would it be that bad or whatnot? But, you know, just at that point in time to pay, to pay him $35 million a year, probably, like I said, by the 7th, 8th, or ninth year of the deal, maybe even 6th, wouldn't, wouldn't be worth it. So I, I think the Yankees could have gone a little more, but I think it was not an egregious offer. Um... For anybody saying that they were tr the, if, uh, talking about a trade, 
the Yankees would, unless the Yankees are extremely bad, like it's like I'm talking like 10, 15 games under 500 as you're approaching the trade deadline or whatnot, they're not trading Judge in the middle of the season. Either they take it to the fall and he resigns, or he walks at the end of the year. Like that's the only two options of what's happening in this situation. Now, I think it's a very very real possibility. I think I may even put it over 50% that Judge may potentially walk. Which is strange because he had, the, whether it's a negotiation tactic or not, he went on this whole mantra that, you know, I want to be a Yankee for life. I want to be here and whatnot. You know, you can chalk some of that up to a, you know, negotiation ploy in terms of the contract negotiations with the Yankees, but you know, you know, watching the team, being a Yankees fan, watching Aaron Judge and the team the last couple of years, I do think the guy genuinely wants to stay in New York and be with the Yankees and and you know stay with the stay in pinstripes for life. But of course, there's a little bit, you know, Scott Boris being his agent, you know, of course, there's a little bit in those comments of, you know, a negotiation ploy. But, you know, maybe there's also the other alternative that, you know, he's from California, you know, 31, 30, it's insane to say that he's just a year or so less than, uh, younger than Freddie Freeman and whatnot, given the, the context of how many years those two guys have played in, in the league. I think Freeman just finished up his 11, entering into his 12th year, judges, what, into his fifth year, a major league season, um, so that, that just to put it in that context, it's kind of crazy. But um, you know, may, at this point in time, maybe he just wants to go back to California. Um, you know, maybe it's not even about the money with the Yankees. Maybe just want to go back uh, to California. I predict if Judge would walk, my favorite for uh, my my favorite in terms of a team that would sign him would be the San Francisco Giants. I think that's a, a very real possibility that he would wind up there um you know what i want to happen no i mean i have judges jersey and everything this is why uh, when i buy uh, any jerseys of my favorite sports teams i i don't typically always get numbers or names on the back because i don't always want to get too attached because you never know they may leave soon enough um so i'd always get you know just you know nobody on the back just the yankees the rangers a giant whatever jersey um, of my favorite favorite team, and you wouldn't have to worry about players going back and forth. Um, but yeah, I think it's a very real possibility that Aaron Judge leaves. This is going to be a constant conversation all year, especially whether Judge gets into a slump or he's absolutely on fire. Um, it, it's going to be a conversation the entire year, um, and it, it's it's interesting how it's going to wind up in the fall. You would think, oh, well, the way Aaron Judge talks, it's going to wind up settling itself out. You know, the Yankees will increase their offer, or depending on the year Judge has, maybe comes down a little bit, they'll meet in the middle. It'll, it'll all work. It has to, right? You know, many people will talk like that, but I think it's a real possibility that he winds up going. And it really feels strange, especially since the Yankees named a, a section of the stadium after him. The judges' chambers in right field. So, the interesting aspect of it is, 
you know, you would think if he's not on the team next year, you know, do the Yankees remove the judges' chamber from and that section from Yankee Stadium? Do they take off that that designated area, um, and it just becomes regular seating again? Um, which, again, a couple of years ago, if you would have told me that could potentially happen, I would have laughed. But that's a very real possibility at this point. Um, but listen, as of right now, he's still here. And, you know, really, you'd hope he really contributes uh, to this Yankee season. And once again, has a, has a season just like last year, where he was, what, batting 280-something, had... Uh, Thirty uh, something home runs, almost a hundred RBIs. Like that's the kind of season that you and did it completely healthy. If Aaron Judge has that kind of year, I think he absolutely can get thirty-five million dollars, whether uh, a year, whether that is from the Yankees or from anybody else on the open market. I, I think the notion from Yankee fans that oh he can't get that money on the open market at all. What's he trying to pull or whatnot? He absolutely can if he's healthy this year. If Aaron Judge, when healthy, is a top 10, maybe in top 10, uh, top 5, excuse me, player in baseball, in all of baseball, any, any player, any position, um, it's not a stretch. It's just you, you look at the resume. The problem has been, you know, whether he's been healthy or not. He had a healthy year last year. If he can produce those same numbers while having an absolutely healthy season once again, I think he can really get a big-time contract. Um, so like I said before, Judge is really betting on himself, really betting on himself here in that he has a healthy season once again and produces, uh, you know, the same level, uh, of production. If he doesn't, if he does, if Aaron Judge winds up being unhealthy, plays, I don't know, 120, 130 games or even lower than that, has a, uh, doesn't have a healthy season, affects his production and whatnot, I mean, he wind, he'll wind up coming back for the Yankees for probably a cheaper price uh, than what these negotiations entailed. Maybe under $30 million. I would say most likely under $30 million. So it's a real bet that he's taking on himself. We'll see if it pays off. Um, for the Yankees, in terms of your play on the field, he's here this year. One way or another, he's here this year. You know, he really, him and uh, you know, he really contributes, um, and once again reproduces that one-two punch that him and Giancarlo Stanton uh, had last year. Um, but going more toward the Yankees' play uh, this weekend, like uh, I said at the open of the show, uh, they took two out of three uh, on the Boston Red Sox this weekend to open up the season. Um, had two comeback wins on opening day. Uh, won five. Uh, I believe 5-4. Won 5-4, I believe, in, uh, on opening day in 11 innings. I'm sorry, 6-5. That's right. Uh, they, they won on opening day on Friday afternoon 6-5 uh, on a Josh Donaldson walk-off single in the, 11, in the bottom of the 11th inning. Uh, then they came back once again from 2-0 uh, behind to win 4-2 on Saturday afternoon, uh, and then lost on Sunday night baseball 4-3, which kind of stings. I don't know why it's sometimes like a, a strange trend for the Yankees, uh, the losing on primetime games, or they have a series with the team, whether it's the Red Sox or another big contender, 
they'll win the series, but the game that gets put on national television, they often wind up losing. I think that's such a weird dynamic that happens lately uh, with the Bronze Bombers, but such is the case. Um, but there are a lot of there are a bunch of positives. Uh, last night showed you quite a bit of negatives. Uh, if you're a Yankees fan, uh, listen. The positives were. Listen, they had a bunch of come-from-behind wins. You had some bright sparks from the offense. Uh, Stanton uh, getting off to a nice start to the year. Anthony Rizzo getting off to a hot start to the year uh, in the first three games, just like he did when he first came over in the trade from the Cubs last summer. Now, I'm eating my words a little bit uh, on Anthony Rizzo when I'm saying I would have rathered other options at first base, whether... That was the the great dream of Freddie Freeman or uh, Matt Olson, which I thought was more realistic of happening, uh, according to the reports and the fit and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's not that I to clarify, it's not that I ever was like, oh my God, Anthony Rizzo on this team is so bad. I I think he fits this mold of Yankee Stadium. His swing is tailor made for Yankee Stadium. Provides solid defense at first base. Um, good veteran presence, good uh, clubhouse presence. Um, so, but I always thought, eh, like there's Matt Olson out there, great prime, a, a prime version of Rizzo. Great lefty swing, great defense at first. That was the shiny object that I and I know many Yankee fans out there would have wanted uh, for um, for them to trade for the former Oakland A's first baseman now over in Atlanta, and then he got that. Big extension right away from the Braves for eight years. Um, so I would have liked that, but you know Rizzo's a, a solid option on this team. It's nice, um, but it, it's kind of like the Yankee, um, uh, the tip, uh, the the Yankee way lately. The last couple of years, like you bring in a good option, but there could have been uh, better options out there that you brought in. But if that clarifies it, that's my stance on Anthony Rizzo. Um, I'm fine with him on the team. Uh, I would have, I'll say I'm fine with it. I like it. I would have loved other moves, specifically Matt Olson there. But I, I think I think Anthony Rizzo over a full year, I think he could get 20 home runs and you know over the course of the year, most of them coming in in Yankee Stadium. Great lefty swing there. Uh, provide some great defense. Probably bat around, I would say 260 for the year. Uh, it'll be a solid option up there, uh, and arguably probably should be the leadoff hitter, either him or DJ LeMahieu. I think Josh Donaldson showed you last night maybe why he's not the best leadoff option. Struck out three times looking uh, yesterday. Um, not great. But yeah, you saw Rizzo and Stanton, uh, the biggest bright spots of the weekend. Uh, Judge with a couple of hits, Torres with the hit. Uh, last night, I believe, um, you know, so there's some positives there. I think the the starting pitching was all right um, in the context that there were all the starting pitchers this weekend, thanks to the shortened spring training, were on a um, were on a pitch count, so none of them pitched five innings really. Any of the starting pitchers, they were on a, all of them, whether it was Cole, Montgomery, Severino, the entire weekend. They're all on about a 60 to 70 uh, uh, pitch count, uh, pitch limit. Um, and so none of them got up to five innings. 
So they did pretty solid. After Garrett Cole on opening day gave up three first inning runs, he settled down, kept the Yankees in the game, and they eventually won it. Uh, the bullpen held it down, and they and the uh, the Yankees eventually won it in uh, extra innings. Uh, Severino made one you know, one bad pitch, and, and that led to a two-run home run, I believe, by Verdugo on Saturday. That had the Yankees down two nothing, but then the bullpen locked it down the rest of the way. Um, you saw a really nice appearance um, from uh, from the uh, the rookie Ron Marici- Maricino. Uh, he gave a, a great relief appearance on Saturday for the Yankees. Pitched an inning, uh, ju- uh, a hitless inning in relief of Severino. Walk and two strikeouts, and then it went Castro, Licky, Green, Holmes, Chapman. Uh, didn't give up a run the entire game in that 4-2 win in the, the second game of the series. Uh, so really liked what you saw there, uh, pitching-wise, especially from the uh, from the bullpen. And then uh, Montgomery, after a rough first inning where, you know, he got that comebacker right on his knee, uh, he kind of, what, he gave up, a, I believe, two, inning, uh, two runs in the first, you know, looked very uneven, had a lot of pitches, had to really grind through that first inning. Um, and then, of course, like the injury scare, he had to grind through all of that. After that, he did well. Um, you know, he settled down a bit, was able to still deal um, despite, you know, the knock to his knee. So the starting pitching was fine. Uh, they're still taking time to really build up after that shortened spring training. You, you really liked what you saw from the bullpen for the most part. Uh, really didn't give up too many runs. I think they had about a 1.9 ERA this weekend. Uh, that's, you know, uh, w- which is what you expected really out of this bullpen. I don't think the bullpen ever was really a point of weakness for the Yankees coming into the year. Uh, it's a really deep bullpen. A lot of options to go to. Lefty, righty, um, you know, ground ball pitchers, um, guys, uh, you know, guys who are power pitchers. They... You know, it's a deep bullpen there for the Yankees. So, I liked what you saw there this weekend. Um, so, those were some positives. Uh, I think some negatives. Most of the negatives really is what you saw in the game last night in the 4-3 loss on Sunday Night Baseball. And that is, you know, so it, it really proving what the naysayers will say about this, this lineup all year. And it's a continuation from last year. They really struggled last night. Uh, it was really a, a, a paid. Last night's game was really a page out of the 2021 Yankees. Even even 2019 and and 2020, despite more success, a little bit more success in those years. Particularly, this was a game out of the 2021 uh, playbook. Um, in that they were terrible in runners in scoring position. The Yankees left 11 men on base last night. Uh, only three runs to show for 11 hits on the game. Uh, just uh, not not good stuff at all. Um, so that's the negative there. As I mentioned before, Donaldson as a leadoff hitter, I think was one for three, but uh, had one for four, uh, three strikeouts. Uh, three, uh, three, all three strikeouts uh, were looking, didn't swing on those uh, third strike calls. Um, that's not what you really want from your leadoff. So I'd really like Anthony Rizzo or DJ Lomayhew 
in those lead off in those lead off roles going forward. Uh, we'll see if that happens today as the Yankees get underway with their four game set against the Blue Jays. Um, so those were really some serious negatives as the offense really really didn't look good uh, last night. We'll see how it looks uh, going forward. Um, but yeah, so a little bit of mix of both. Uh, for the uh, a little bit of mix of both sides for the Yankees uh, this weekend really should have gotten the sweep, but uh, on the Red Sox to start off the year, but didn't. Got two out of three, are two and one in the season after the first weekend, and the Yankees have still uh, not started a season three and zero since two thousand and three. Um, had the chance to do it last night, could not in that four three loss uh, to the Red Sox. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, in that four-game set against the Blue Jays uh, coming up today. Uh, the pitching matchup will be Jamison Tyon against Alex Manoa. Um, you know, interesting to see. First start of the year for Jamison Tyon. I think you get a start where it's like uh, four innings, gives up five runs, or he could go five, six innings um, with you know two runs given up. I don't think there's anywhere in between. I think maximum he pitches five innings. I think we'll, at least for this first week, we'll see a similar theme of the Yankees throwing uh, throwing out a lot of their bullpen. The starters not really going past four innings as they continue to build up workload again after that, that shortened spring training due to the lockout. So uh, most rosters you see around Major League Baseball are, are carrying more pitchers. Uh, every ba Major League Baseball team up until early May is allowed to carry 28 on their roster rather than the normal 25-26. So most of uh, uh, the teams are loading up their roster with pitchers um, rather than, you know, three or four bench pieces. Um, so I think you'll see that trend continue for the first, I would say, three weeks of the season. Two or three weeks of the season for the Yankees. You'll probably see that uh, trend continue. Um, but yeah, positives and negatives you saw from the Yankees. Not going to overreact to too much. I know everybody's been going nuts about Aaron Hicks. Um, relax. I think, you know, he's still working into it. The, you know, uh, really had some bad hits yesterday. Um, you know, hit into a couple of double plays that really killed the momentum in the game. That hurt. Um, but he's definitely going to start today with uh, the lefty Manoa on. So, I, listen, he's. I, I think it's two games into the season. I know the outrage is going after every game, but a this is the game that the Yankees are going to play. It's not, Aaron Hicks won't just be sat or whatever for grounding into a couple of double plays last night in the third game of the season. Um, you hope the offense will pick up, but they're going to rotate him, whether it's Judge or Gowell at center field, and then... Um, you know, it's how much can Stanton play in the field, and then that affects where the dynamic with uh, how much, how often DJ LeMahieu can start. Um, you know, so all of that will factor in. Hicks will constantly get rotated. Um, so he's working back into. I think the Yankee offense overall, and especially last night, although it should have been better. I'm not excusing that. They should have been better, leaving 11 men on base, a couple of bases loaded opportunities. Uh, stranded. Uh, that's absolutely egregious. But they're all weekend. They ha they were very unlucky. They they got some great contact. The Yankees this weekend. 
and a lot of the balls just found gloves. Um, so a little bit, uh, they, they found a little bit of misfortune this weekend, but you, so you'd hope the more that contact continues, more of those balls would find grass. Uh, we'll see if that, um, if that good contact continues today. Um, but yeah, Yankees 2-1-1. and one. Um, So yeah, we'll see, um, you know, how that judge story develops throughout the year and that specter of, you know, no long-term contract and, of course, in the winter, how that gets settled. Uh, like I said, positives and negatives in the first weekend uh, for the Yankees off to a 2-1-1 start and off to a four-game set against the Blue Jays today. Um, let's move over uh, to, the, uh, to the Mets, who took three out of four against the Nationals uh, on the opening weekend. Arguably should have, taken, uh, should have taken the sweep after a 4-2 loss yesterday, although they probably kept out the main relievers, Trevor May and Seth Lugo, probably to keep everybody fresh and ready to go for a big uh, early series against the Phillies this week. Um, so, not that egregious. Um, I think uh, Buck Walter knows what he's doing there. I think it's good that you'll have your bullpen relatively rested. Um, I know it's only three games into the season, but you don't want many too many people on a back-to-back right away. Um, and good to have a healthy bullpen going into the series with the Phillies. Um, the main takeaway for the Mets, really, is the pitching. You really like most of what you saw with the, the pitching this week. Um, Tyler McGill had a nice opening day start, five innings, uh, five shutout innings, uh, six strikeouts in that 5-1 win to open up uh, the season against the Nationals. Scherzer did okay, six innings pitched, three hits, three earned runs, and a walk, and had six strikeouts in his first uh, career start with the New York Mets. Um, did pretty well. I mean, listen, you gave up a home run to Juan Soto. Sometimes it happens, but had a pretty solid start otherwise. Um, Chris Bassett, a really good start on Saturday night uh, in a 5 nothing win. You re- if you're a Met fan, you really liked his comments post-game where you know he just said, listen, I don't care what the name on the back of your jersey is. I'm going to come after you. That's my mentality. I played in a division with great hitters before in Oakland. You know, now coming uh, to the Mets, there's some great hitters around the rest of the division. You know, he's you know has that bulldog mentality. He's going to come after you, no matter who you are. I think you really like that. If um, if you're a Mets fan, a really good introduction uh, for Bassett on Saturday night in that five nothing win. Pete Alonso really broke open that game. Uh, with the Grand Slam, a nice w- uh, weekend for him. Um, so he used the big spark offensively. Francisco Lindor yesterday in the 4-2 loss got his first home run of the year. Um, so, you know, offensively, a bunch of different guys getting uh, opportunities. Showalter really rotating everybody, giving everybody reps on the first weekend. Tinkering with the lineup, seeing what's working best. Mark Hanna had a two-for-three day, I believe, on, on Friday or Saturday. Um, looked pretty good there. Um, but like I said, the main takeaway with the Mets was the pitching, and that's going to be especially big-time key, um, that rotation moving forward, uh, how the offense can really perform well and the pitching can continue to hold it down in the absence of Jacob DeGrom as well. 
Uh, Mets getting set for a three-game set with the Philadelphia Phillies this week. Um, and then they'll have um, the Diamondbacks later on uh, in, in the week getting toward the, the weekend at home. Um, but yeah, that's uh, just a little recap on the Mets. Uh, we'll get over to our division predictions, go, go through that a little bit uh, quickly. Um, division predictions, we'll go through each division in baseball. Some of my predictions uh, will handle playoffs and World Series champions, all that sort of stuff. As the fall gets closer, we'll talk all about that next semester. Um, for the AL East, this one's always difficult. Um, you know, especially where do I place the Yankees this year? I think they're streaky. The lineup, you know, will the lineup be, you know, what we saw last night? Or can it be more what we saw in the first two games, being resilient, rallying and whatnot? Um, how will the starting pitching be? Um, so, but I think the AL East is going to be won by the Blue Jays this year. I think they're, you really like their pitching. I think their bullpen will wind up being solid enough. I, I think probably the, that will be something that the Blue Jays will have to address at the deadline um, in, in terms of taking them to be real big-time contenders in the American League overall and into the playoffs. They'll probably, be, you know, they'll probably have to pick up a bullpen pitcher or two at the deadline. Um, that's probably your your only sort of worry. Rotation looks really good. You got Berrios, uh, you got Hinjin Rio, uh, you brought over UC Kikuchi, um, Kevin Gosman, Alex Manoa, a good young starter. Um, so you really like what they got there in the rotation. And despite the loss of Robbie Ray, um, the the lineup. This Blue Jays lineup is going to be absolutely electric all year. I mean, this weekend they came back from a 7-0 deficit uh, to win the game 10-8, I believe. Um, you know, just the, that lineup, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, Bo Bichette, um, Teosco Hernandez, uh, um, George Springer, you go down the line. Um, it's going to be a really electric lineup and... To top that off, they added Matt Chapman to it uh, this offseason. That offense is going to be electric to watch up in Toronto. I have them winning the AL East with 95 wins. I have the Rays in second. Uh, I have the Yankees in third, and then the Red Sox in fourth. Orioles to finish it out. I wouldn't be, even though I give the Yankees 90 wins and then put the Red Sox at 80, I could easily see. Uh, though, uh, those two spots between the Yankees and Red Sox flipping. I know many Yankee fans would be shocked with that, but uh, I could this, could this team, I think in this division, if you have a, a bit of a, a two, three-week slump or whatnot, I think you re they could really struggle um, you know, to really contend in the division. I think you're, you, any sort of slump, could potentially put you out of this division in the AL East uh, this year. I think it could wind up being uh, that good, uh, or the Blue Jays and Rays getting out to to uh, are going to have that good of a year. Um, so I think they're the Yankees. There are questions going forward with their starting rotation. Although for what they were this weekend, as we mentioned before, kind of solid, um, and there'll be questions over the lineup and how they hit. 
with runners in scoring position. I think with the Red Sox, mainly their question is with pitching, bullpen and starting. Um, I think Alex Cora is a good enough manager where this team will be uh, producing, uh, will be solid enough. And if you're the Red Sox, your formula is Alex Cora, really good manager. Can they he really, you know, sit around 500, just above 500 around the trade deadline, and then you can probably give you'll probably start getting some help from the start, uh, some help on the starting pitching front. Chris Sale will probably be back in July. And like I said, if you're in that position, you know, 500 or just a little bit better, this front office can go for it. And uh, the biggest name on the market will be Frankie Montas from the A's. And you'll get Sale back from injury, Montas, and then Evaldi. That's a good three to really roll with down the stretch. You never know. Maybe the Red Sox can go on a little bit um, of a run toward the end of the year. Um, you really because you really like their lineup. Their lineup is, the Red Sox lineup, really good. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, um, Alex Verdugo, Kike Hernandez, a solid hitter as well. Uh, you really like their lineup from top to bottom. But uh, it's the pitching that really concerns you, their bullpen as well. Um, How is it going to hold up um, throughout the year? So I got questions there. I can see them being fourth, but I can ease, I can also make the case, like I just said uh, there, um, that the the rain uh, that the Red Sox could um, be third or maybe even push the Rays for second in this division. But that's what I'm going with for now. Blue Jays, Rays, Yankees, Red Sox, Orioles in the AL East. Uh, the White Sox, uh, let's move over to the AL Central. Uh, as I just alluded to there, I have the White Sox winning the AL Central. Uh, they're just... They're, they're in a division where, I mean, the White Sox are just going to beat up on this division. They arguably have one of the best rotations, um, especially when Lance Lynn comes back from injury. Um, they have probably the best, right up, the, maybe one of, if not the best bullpen in baseball. Um, they have a good lineup as well. Questions with infield defense, certainly, but the White Sox have plenty uh, to win this division pretty handily. Uh, I have the White Sox being the number one seed in the American League with 98 wins, given the contents of the division that they'll play in, especially. Uh, then I'll have in second place, I got the Twins. I think the Twins could be sneaky. Uh, it depends what the results you'll get from uh, from their pitching. I think they got a lot of names with a lot of upside, but it could also go the other way as well. They made a trade with the Padres for Chris Paddock. Um, You've got Kenta Maeda, who's always pretty solid in there. Sonny Gray, uh, who had a bit of a re revival with the Cincinnati Reds uh, in that he was a solid pitcher the last couple of years there. You get some solid production, again, from him in Minnesota. Um, that's a solid one-two punch up there. You get Paddock as well, Randy Dobnak. Um, and then they have a, a pretty solid bullpen as well, Tyler Rogers. Uh, was traded to the Padres in that Paddock deal, but they're bringing Emiliano Pagan. Um, he's a solid uh, bullpen pitcher. Uh, they've been having, I think they have a pretty solid bullpen, the Twins. They have a really good lineup. You, had, you added uh, Carlos Correa uh, to that. You have him on a big mega three-year deal, but opt-outs in each of the three years, so you have him at least for one year. You got Correa, you got Sano, 
Um, you got Kepler. Uh, Sanchez, can, Gary Sanchez now over there can provide some home run power. Um, Byron Buxton, if he stays healthy, is uh, a re one of the better center fielders in the game. Uh, they have a good lineup there for the Twins, so I think they'll be second. Uh, the Tigers could be sneaky. They got some good young pieces. Um, really depends on how their starting rotation performs. They got potential there, but interesting to see how they perform. The rotation surrounded by Eduardo Rod uh, veteran Eduardo Rodriguez. And you got the Guardians who, I mean, they all have a turnaround, a relatively quick turnaround, but they won't contend this year in Cleveland. Got the Guardians there and then got the Royals to round out uh, the AL Central. Uh, go over to the AL West. I think this will be an interesting competition uh, between the Astros and the Mariners. Uh, I have the Astros winning the division, 93 wins. Uh, I think the Mariners will, uh, uh, will have 90 wins this year, right on par with the Yankees. Uh, so interesting pl AL playoff discussion there. Um, so I, I think it's um, I think it's going to be a really interesting battle. The Mariners came within one game of the wild card last year, made some good offensive uh, additions. You got Jesse Winker. Um, you brought in Robbie Ray as well with the pitching. So now you have Robbie Ray, Marco Gonzalez, um, solid pitchers at the top of the rotation. Um, you know, so I, I think they could give the, and you really like the rest of the lineup. Mitch Hanniger, you could talk to uh, my fellow WSJU sports director, Chris Bellow, big Mitch Hanniger stan. Um, you know, you could talk to him about it. He thinks Mitch Hanniger is going to have a 40 home run season. Uh, I think he's a pretty good player there. I don't know about 40 home runs, but I think he'll have a pretty good season up in Seattle. But I think they could give the Astros a real run for their money. Uh, the Astros, uh, their pitching staff, you got uh, Framber Valdez and Justin Verlander, but a lot of question marks behind uh, those two in the starting rotation. What kind of production you're going to get from Lance McCullers, uh, maybe some other pitchers who, who come up um, you know, from the farm and whatnot. The lineup, the, Alex Bregman was not great last year. You'd hope he improve. Of course, you have Jose Altuve there. It'll still be a dangerous lineup. Um, Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker are studs in the outfield. Um, Yuri Gurriel will probably have a little bit of a downturn. I don't think he'll hit 330, but will still be a, a pretty a pretty good player over there at first. Um, so I don't know. I think the, the Astros won't be as dominating in the AL West as they have been in the last couple of years, but I still think... Uh, they'll win the division. So in the AL, uh, the Blue Jays, White Sox, and Astros as the division winners. I think the So you have three other playoff spots from there, and that comes from the, the Rays, the Yankees, and, and the Mariners. Um, the Mariners breaking that playoff drought. Um, so it should be an interesting race, especially there in the AL West. Um, but moving over to the National League, we'll go through uh, this quickly. Um, in, that, in the NL East, I have the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, uh, the Marlins, and the Nationals. I think the Braves, although the pitching has kind of been shakier uh, this weekend to open up the year, uh, I think the Braves, uh, you just really like their pitching. Their lineup is still really dangerous. They replaced Freddie Freeman uh, with Matt Olson. Um, 
Ronald Acuna is coming back from injury. Mike Soroka is coming back. I mean, just think about it. The Braves won the World Series last year without uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., their superstar outfielder, and uh, their, without their ace, Mike Soroka. You add those two guys back um, uh, into the squad this year. Braves will be pretty dangerous. I have them winning Piano East with 95 wins. I think the Mets will be right there in second place with 93. Uh, you really like their pitching. Uh, and especially if they hold things together and the lineup performs really well, especially when DeGrom comes back, if his absence is not too long-term, uh, you really like them uh, to push the Braves uh, in that division, and we'll, but will probably get second place. The Phillies, I think, have a really great lineup this year. Added Nick Castellanos, you got Nelson Cruz as well to pair, uh, along with Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, um, and, and, and company. Uh, um, why am I forgetting the catcher? Uh, JT Realmuto um, as well. I think they have a great lineup in Philly. I just I just don't like their pitching. Um, Aaron Nola, people want to say the ace. Um, I, I don't think he's too... I don't think he's that good. I think he's had bad seasons recently. Um, Zach Wheeler, really like at the top of the rotation, but beyond that, I think you've seen some really real inconsistency on the Phillies pitching, and then their, their bullpen, I think, is an issue as well. So that's why I have them third. Uh, Marlins, and then the Nationals. I think the Nationals are going to be really bad. Their pitching and their bullpen is really bad. Uh, I think this division will really beat up on them this year. I have the, the Nationals 62-100 and 100 record this year. Um, in the NL Central, uh, I think the Cardinals wind up winning this division 85 wins. Uh, it's the same story with the Central in that, you know, it's a, a really strange division. Nobody's really dominating good in that division. But you like the Cardinals and their pitching. Uh, they have the best lineup by far in that division. Uh, the rest of the teams in the NL Central just either in rebuild or retool mode or not too sure where, where they're going. Uh, I think the Brewers, just by the nature of how everybody else is, will wind up finishing second. Um, but still under 500. Uh, you re really don't like that line uh, that lineup in the Brewers. Their offense is pretty bad. Uh, Complement that uh, they'll wind they'll still wind up winning some games with the good pitching that they'll have. Have the Cubs, then the Reds, then the Pirates to round out the Central. Over to the NL West. Uh, I got the Dodgers winning 101 wins uh, coming out of the NL West. Uh, you got the Giants. Uh, with 90 wins in second place, then the Padres with 85, uh, then the Rockies uh, with uh, and the Diamondbacks. Um, that rounds out my division uh, predictions for baseball. We'll see how it winds up as this baseball season rolls on through the spring and the summer. We'll talk a lot more about that next week. Um, before we wrap up the show, let's get a little bit into St. John's basketball. As we had some news recently, as Julian Champagny officially announced that. Uh, his decision uh, to leave the school at the end of this year and head uh, to the professional ranks. Something that we really expected this entire year. Wish him all the best. Has been fantastic as a student broadcaster to watch Champagny grow ever since his freshman year. Over the course of these last three years here in Queens. Um, had another really good season this year. A little bit of a four game blip he had in his uh, shooting wise. But still had a great season. Uh, averaging uh, just a, uh, just under 20 points a game, 
uh, was really good. I, I think ultimately in terms of NBA scouting, I don't think he extremely improved his stock, but I don't think he damaged it all, uh, at all either. Um, I, think, I still think he can wind up being, um, uh, he might be a second round pick and whatnot in the NBA. Either way, whatever winds up happening, best of luck to him. A really great uh, three years from him here in, in St. John's uh, with great player, um, great off-the-court the ambassador uh, for the, the program and the university as a whole. Best of luck off to Julian Champagny in the professional ranks. Aaron Wheeler also announced that he will forego his eligibility, uh, his final year of eligibility and go pro. Um, big loss for the team. Aaron Wheeler really came on, especially in conference play down the year. But not, a, not an unexpected announcement given the fact that he's already graduated. This was his graduate year this year in terms of his uh, collegiate, in terms of academic education. Uh, it's, uh was 23, 24 years old now. Uh, kind of looking, uh, you know, wouldn't be surprised, he's kind of looking uh, to move on and, and start uh, making a, uh, more of a monetary living. Uh, best of luck to him as he, of course, heads to the professional ranks as well for Aaron Wheeler. Um, you know, in transfer season, uh, really in full swing and quiet on the St. John's front. There's a lot of talk about Andre Curbelo uh, as he announced his that he will be transferring from Illinois. I think the main need for St. John's, really, I think they prioritize Curbelo because obviously his teammates at the high school level with uh, uh, Rafael Pinzon, uh, obviously the local connection of it all, grew up in Long Island, went to Long Island Lutheran High School, had a great high school career there. Um, so I think they're mostly set at their guard position, but you see Andre Curbelo hit the transfer portal, um, hard to turn down that kind of a talent, but you see the numbers from him. They're certainly going to have, if you bring in uh, Kerbel, you're certainly going to have to surround that team with uh, plenty of capable three-point shooters. Um, otherwise, the floor spacing is really going to be an issue um, between Kerbel and Posh and then the rest of the guards uh, and beyond that. But I, I think first and foremost, they're really going to need to address um, the wing position going to need to really uh, recruit um, a, a really solid, uh, big-time impact wing player uh, that can provide some uh, really strong uh, shooting at all three levels, especially from beyond three-point range. Um, yeah, you're going to need some shooting there. Uh, that was an issue for St. John's last year, as it has been uh, the last couple of years. Um, so that's just a quick recap there. We'll talk a little bit more. Uh, about St. John's a little later on is certainly in the next week or two I'm sure we'll start hearing um, any transfer news as uh, May 1st really comes up and sort of a deadline really for many players to get into the portal or certainly they like to start committing uh, by that timeline. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about St. John's uh, a little bit down the line if more transfer news uh, comes on in but that will do it for today's edition of the Mike Sports Roundup. Once again, thank you all for listening. I'm Michael Zabo, and we'll see you all about two weeks after the Easter break. Have a good day, everybody.